This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, we have a lot of guests on this program, three or four a night, maybe something, anywhere between two and four a night, right? So that's 20 a week. I will tell you, I cannot remember a reaction to a guest that I've gotten in the three years that we've been doing this program, the likes of which uh, there was to Jill Escher. If you didn't hear our previous conversation, Jill Escher is uh, the president of the National Council on Severe Autism. She's a board member of the Autism Society in the San Francisco Bay Area. She also happens to be a parent of uh, two autistic young adults. And we ran out of time uh, the last time that we spoke, and I, I had to invite her back to uh, pick her brain on a, a bunch of other areas that uh, that I was curious about. Jill, welcome back. Thanks again for staying up late with us. Thank you, Frank. I'm very happy to be here, and I share in your morning about the devastation in West Maui, um, you know, taking down Lahaina and the banyan tree, and oh, gosh, I've just been so shaken by it. It really is uh, just, um, I mean, I'm looking at the, the, these images and uh, every single image that I see, it just makes me, it just makes me um, tear up even more. It's just in- incredibly, incredibly sad. Um, in yeah. any event, uh, what's also sad is uh, something that you brought to our attention, not just our attention, but you've been uh, speaking about this and writing about this all over the place, that rates of autism are skyrocketing. And I know in a column that you wrote for the the free press, you said the question isn't just why, but what we need to do about it right now and what might be holding it back. Now, the last time that we spoke, I asked you a little bit about theories that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been putting out there that it had something to do with uh, vaccinations. And because we ran out of time shortly after that, people, uh, the conspiracy theorists and our audience thought that maybe this was my attempt to silence you somehow because I didn't want you putting out uh, uh, one view or another. But um, if people aren't familiar with this, uh, this is an issue Robert Kennedy's been very vocal on for a long time. Recent, now it's getting renewed attention because of his presidential candidacy. Recently, he did a town hall meeting with uh, Michael Smirkanish, and he was essentially saying that um, he's never seen grown men with autism. This is what he said. We couldn't. Uh, we never saw anybody we couldn't handle. We could not have handled a kid with autism. L- let me accept. Let, let me just say why. Yeah. Because those kids have, literally, for many of them, only their, their parents can come near them because they have light sensitivities, they have tactile sensitivities, they're violent. Uh, they engage in headbanging, biting, uh, screaming. They're they're very very uh, difficult to handle. The, the experts- and we never saw a child like that. And by the way, I have never in my life seen a man my age with full-blown autism. Not once. I've never, where are these men? One out of every 22 men who are walking around the mall with helmets on, who are non-toilet trained, non-verbal, stimming, toe-walking, hand-flapping. I've never seen anybody. Is there a- Jill, uh, aside from the, the, the cause aspect of it, is what Robert Kennedy says 
accurate there that there aren't men in their late 60s that are walking around with autism right now? And and do you have a theory as to why that might be the case? Yeah, I mean, there's actually, I hate to say this, there's a lot of truth in what he just said. I mean, we've been told year after year after year after year for like the last 20 years or so that the increase in autism is basically a figment of our imagination, that it's just an illusion, that it's not an actual increase in people with neurobiological disorders or children, that is. Um, What we're seeing is just a relabeling of other you know, things that used to be hiding under other labels or because of greater awareness or because of broadening diagnostics. You know, there have been a lot of other theories, um, but we've been kind of gaslighted, you know, year after year after year. When everybody could see this, everybody in the school districts could see it, everybody in the pediatrician's offices can see it, everybody in the developmental services sector can see it. You know, you saw it, it everywhere you look, you can see this. You can see it, as you mentioned, in, on your own block, as can I. And, you know, um, I, I think you know, what, what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is saying there is, well, if autism's always been around in these numbers, we should be seeing about one in 22 boys or you know, males right. you know, with autism at every single age level, not just eight-year-olds, which is what the CDC has been tracking. And he's absolutely right. There's not a shred of evidence anywhere in any country, any state, any system for autism under any label, you know, the qualitative characteristics of autism, you know, existing in birth cohorts, you know, older than say, I'm going to just, you know, 40-ish. I mean, he's absolutely right now, they aren't all banging their heads, right? right? They aren't all screaming and punching and biting and kicking, right? That's, he probably used some hyperbole there, but, you know, the, the qualitative characteristics, you know, the, the significant impairments in social communication, the significant impairments in terms of repetitive behaviors, you know, the sensory sensitivities, the functional deficits, we just never saw that. So he's he's sort of right. One of the things that you just said, which I found so interesting, is you said that you and other autistic parents or, or people that were uh, in the autism community and pointing out the increase in autism, that you were you were gaslit and uh, and treated like what you were seeing with your own eyes and what you were observing wasn't accurate. Who was doing the gaslighting and what was the motivation for trying to make people believe that what they were seeing wasn't actually happening? Right. Really good question. First of all, let me make it clear that I don't agree with RFK Jr. about the vaccine hypothesis. I, I, there's, there's not evidence that, and we talked about this last time, that, evident, that vaccines are contributing to this dramatic increase in autism rates. Now, um, you asked a very good question. You know, we are told if you read media reports or you read government reports, you know, we, we do see this gaslighting. We're told time and time again that this increase isn't real. And um, why would they do that? I think there are a couple of reasons for that. First of all, um, there was a lot of concern among public health experts and I think very legitimate concerns that if they were to admit to these rapidly escalating rates, that it would fuel 
the vaccine hypothesis. Uh. It would fuel the it would fuel the people who are blaming vaccines for this. And, you know, that could be very dangerous because obviously we really need young children to be vaccinated against dangerous diseases. Um, I think there's that. There's a little bit of a circle the wagons mentality, like we're just not going to stoke that fire, period. And the second reason, I think, is that no one understands it. Right. It's not like we've gone out with, you know, all these hundreds of millions of research dollars. It's not like we've been successful in actually figuring out what is increasing the rates of autism. We have some there's like, you know, some things here and there that explain a little bit of the risk, you know, like older parents. That explains a little bit of the risk, you know, adverse um, you know, events around childbirth like, you know, prematurity, that explains a little bit, you know, in maternal infection explains a little bit, but it doesn't come close to explaining the rates that we're seeing today. So because we don't really understand it, people, I think, are understandably kind of afraid to admit to this increase. Um, and then another reason is that there have been many studies indicating that autism is highly heritable. And what the genetics researchers have done is they, they've taken these showings of heritability. Heritability in this particular context mostly means high recurrence rates among siblings, just like in my two kids. I have two kids with nonverbal severe autism, right? So obviously highly heritable in my family. Why else would lightning strike twice? So the geneticists have oversimplified that, and they've said, well, because autism is so strongly heritable, that must mean that autism is overwhelmingly genetic. And if something is overwhelmingly genetic, then it can't be increasing in frequency. It can't be increasing in prevalence. So those, I think, are the three main reasons that we see public health authorities, you know, and also the media with kind of the tail between its legs, you know, just not really wanting to take very seriously, you know, this data, even though the data is very, very solid. It is consistent, really system to system to system um, over more than, you know, more than 25 years. You see this even when autism is defined very stringently. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. 
I don't want to, because this is an issue that really uh, transcends uh, partisanship and, and politics, so I, I don't want to get you to, um, I don't want to insert you into any sort of a political discussion at all. However, <laughs> I have to um, ask you about uh, something that former President Trump, who's obviously one of the leading candidates for president now, said two months ago with respect to autism. And some people said that uh, this was his attempt to sort of use a dog whistle to the people that believe that uh, vaccines play a role in causing autism. This is a video he put out about uh, children's health, and he mentions autism and the pharmaceutical industry. This is what he said. In recent decades, there has been an unexplained and alarming growth in the prevalence of chronic illnesses and health problems, especially in children. We've seen a stunning rise in autism, autoimmune disorders, obesity, infertility, serious allergies and respiratory challenges. It's time to ask, what is going on? Too often, our public health establishment is too close to Big Pharma. They make a lot of money, Big Pharma. Big corporations and other special interests and does not want to ask the tough questions about what is happening to our children's health. So, Jill, he didn't mention vaccines there, but he did mention the rise in autism, and then he did mention uh, Big Pharma and said, you know, people shouldn't hesitate to ask questions. Uh, Is he right? Should people be asking questions when it comes to uh, potential links between autism and the other issues that he mentioned and Big Pharma? Well, uh, two parts to that question. The first part is, is he right to mention all of these childhood maladies, right, that are increasing in prevalence. Um, Yes, he's 100% right about that. I mean, who cannot see in the data these wild increases in childhood autism, ADHD, um, he mentioned allergies, he he kind of glanced at asthma um, and uh, obesity, you know, for example. And, you know, there are other things as well. Yes, these things have been dramatically increasing, and it should be seen as really, I think, a national emergency, you know, that we have such widespread disability, you know, among, you know, our youth, you know, the future of America. You know, I look at, you know, my own kids, two of my kids with very severe autism will need lifespan care, and people kind of shrug their shoulders like, ah, it's just autism. What do you, I mean, it's insane. These are... These are kids who will need highly expensive specialized care every single day, 24-7, the rest of their lives, and they're hardly the only two. This, we're now looking at one in 36 children having autism, and, you know, probably at least half of them will need very significant support. And, you know, that doesn't count all the other disabilities. There was just a CDC report finding that I think it was about 9% of all children um, now have a developmental disability of some sort, and that includes learning disabilities as well. It's really, it, it, he's, he's right to bring it up. This should be a major issue for all politicians involved at the presidential level or really any level. Um, now, the second part of your question was, well, the, he pointed to big pharma. No, I don't think Big Pharma has anything to do with it. (laughs) I think there are probably many contributors to these um, to these increases, Um, but I I don't see Big Pharma. I don't see any conspiracy here. I don't see anything like that playing a role. One of the things that I hear a great deal 
in discussing autism frequently and including right after you were you were on the program last time people would write to me and said well this is a function of older parents it, it is documented that uh, men and women are having children later in life than they used to and more than one person pointed out uh, to me that obviously you were older by the time you had your second and third child than you were when you had your first child and your first child was not autistic and your second and third are do you lend any credence uh, to that theory that older parents leads to an outcome with, with more autistic children? Well, this has actually been studied a bit. Um, and, yeah, there is definitely a relationship between older parents, particularly older fathers, to some extent older mothers, um, and risk for autism. But it's probably, you know, overall, from what we can tell from the research, about 3% you know, maybe explains 3% of the increase, it doesn't explain the vast majority of the risk. So, yeah, I mean, listen, every year, sorry guys to say this, but every year you accumulate additional mutations in your, in your spermatogonial stem cells, which create your sperm. And in females, you know, we're born with all of our eggs. Um, but every year, you know, the DNA repair mechanisms in our you know, basically our gonads, come on, let's just use uh, biological mm -hmm. terms, um, they become a little weaker, right? And so we, our, our DNA might not be as capable of repair as when we were younger, and that might lead to increased risk of mutations and therefore increased risk of autism or other forms of genetic disorder. So, yeah, there's a little bit of that, but it, it's, it hardly explains the vast majority of risk. We're talking with Jill Escher. She's the uh, president of the National Council on Severe Autism and uh, has written extensively about issues related to autism for, uh, for a while now. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. One thing that I was curious about is uh, a theory that was put out by uh, Dr. Norman Doidge, who's a psychiatrist and who's a, a leader in uh, with the, the field that they call neuroplasticity. He's written multiple be best-selling books. And in his book, The Brain That Changes Itself, not only is he making some pretty bold claims about what he's been able to do in terms of autism treatment, but he is of the belief that white noise can have adverse effects on uh, on infants that are exposed at a young age because it causes many neurons to fire simultaneously and he uh, basically seems to from what i remember the book make the case that infants should be um kept away from constant electronics in their room and things that make that little white noise that a lot of electronics do have you looked at that theory at all 
You know, that's the first I've heard of that. (laughs) I've heard of many, many, many different hypotheses. um, But no, I haven't heard of that. Here's the thing about autism. So there's very strong evidence that for, you know, the most part, and I can't say this is true with every single case of autism. Some might happen postnatally. But for the most part, autism is the result of microstructural abnormalities that occur during early brain development, that is during fetal brain development. So that little tiny fetus is in the womb and the brain is very rapidly forming, like, you know, millions of neurons being born and migrating to their proper spot and then connecting up. And what's happening in autism is those neurons aren't proliferating and migrating and connecting in the proper way. And they can see this in, for example, post-mortem brains. So if somebody dies, they can chop up the brain, they can see these microstructural abnormalities. And it all relates to you know, basically neurogenesis, brain genesis. So these things that happen after birth um, I think might rarely contribute to autism, but they're definitely not central to its, uh, you know, its cause. One of the things you wrote in your column in the free press was that in recent years, we've seen autism take on an absurd umbrella aspect that can cover quirky people like Elon Musk, artists like the singer Sia, and even elite athletes like, like Tony Snell. When you see and, and hear public figures either claiming to be autistic or at least on the autism spectrum, is that harmful to the cause of addressing the growth of autism or is it helpful? Yeah, I think it is harmful. And I'm not denying that, you know, uh, adults, you know, who you know, self-diagnose as autistic or seek out an autism diagnosis because they feel, you know, socially disconnected or they feel that they're very different. I'm not denying that those people have something going on, right? They, you know, they might need help in some way and maybe they deserve some sort of diagnosis. The problem is why the same diagnosis as, you know, my kids who bear no similarity mm-hmm. to them at all? So, you know, it's just we're asking one word to do a lot of heavy lifting, right, and serve a lot of different roles. And I think that's just wrong. I mean, words exist. We use words for a reason, right, so that we can kind of, you know, why is a chair called a chair and not a table, right? Because we have a sense of, like, you know, the the role it serves and what it is. And so why does autism have to apply to so many different presentations? So, yeah, I mean, I feel like autism should be restricted to cases where it's basically a developmental disability, And if you don't have a developmental disability, which clearly Elon Musk doesn't have and Sia doesn't have and other people don't have, um, then let's call it something else. I mean, you know, Asperger's syndrome used to be kind of, you know, something else that was kind of like autism, but we've lost that word. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. You don't hear a lot of references to Asperger's anymore uh, to refer to people that have um, uh, an interesting or uh, almost a superhuman talent for law or medicine, but are just socially awkward in in other areas. Uh, Jill, let me end with this and a very informative conversation uh, as always, and I do hope you'll come back in the future. But if people are listening, parents, grandparents of 
of children that uh, might be two, three, four, five, six, and they're wondering what warning signs they should be on the lookout for so that they could try to get some early intervention in their child's lives if they might be autistic. What should they be looking out for? What What are the early warning signs? Yeah, so... Um you know, first of all, you know, autism might not show up right away, right? You might have a kid who's 12 months old and might seem to be hitting the 12-month milestones, but by that time, they're at their 18-month checkup. They might not be, you know, responding to their name. They might not be pointing at objects to, you know, indicate, uh, you know, that they're seeing them to the parent or referencing the parent. They might not be, um, you know, playing with toys in a normal way. They might not be interested in things that require abstract thought, you know, like stories and certain songs. They might not be talking. They might not be babbling. Um, they might be kind of fixated on objects. For example, instead of taking a train and making it go choo, 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 you know, around the room, they might just pick it up, turn it over, and just spin the wheels. So those are some of the signs of autism. Um, higher functioning forms of autism, sometimes language is not delayed, but in um, you know, kind of the lower functioning forms like my kids have um, language is almost always very delayed or absent. Jill, thank you very much for the time and uh, best of luck with um, everything that you're doing. I hope we can chat again soon. Oh, please. Thank you so much, Frank. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.